welcome to the podcast. I checked with my wife and yes, in fact, we were right. She likes fountains of carrots and the messy family project better than Barbatus. And I also learned that her favorite non-Catholic podcast is Office Ladies. Have you listened to that one? I couldn't. I listened to one episode. I I couldn't follow it. They speak way too fast. They speak way too much. And I can't. I just can't. I thought you were a fan of The Office. I'm a fan of The Office. I love The Office. But I don't know. Maybe I needed to stick with it a little bit more. But... It was, I don't understand it was like the references. I, was, I do, but I it, it felt like I was in the middle of a conversation that I wasn't invited to <laughs> because they just don't stop talking. They, they I don't. don't think they breathe. So, but yeah, I did. It's I quite did remarkable. It. Um, have you ever watched movies with uh, like commentary, like the director's commentary or the actor's commentary? Yeah, I don't appreciate that. You don't appreciate that? The only no. movie that I've done that, and I'm kind of embarrassed, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure of mine. It's Love, actually. Oh, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. There are some dicey scenes there with, like, the couple. Dude. One of the couples. I got a story, but go ahead. <laughs> we'll save it for the Christmas <laughs> episode. <laughs> but anyways, um, it feels like Office Ladies is like a... Um, like a commentary, like you play the episode of, of The Office at the same time that you start the podcast. Um, but any anywho, um, you, today we are going to talk about something completely unrelated to this banter. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I hope everybody voted today. That's true. If yes. you haven't and you're listening to this and it's still early, get out go, and vote, people. Vote. Yeah, pause the podcast code vote. Don't be like me that misplaced your voter's registration and cannot mm-hmm. vote in the midterms. But um, Well, take us with you. Take us with shame. you. Yeah, take us with you. Put your headphones on if you're in a long line. Yeah. Have well, us there. True. You know, this 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 episode might has some relevance, you know? Especially because it's uh, going to be Veterans Day here this coming Friday. Mm-hmm. So it does relate a little bit, you know, voting, um, military, pride for the country, love for patriotism. Neighbor, patriotism. So, yeah, get out and vote, people. Thank you for the reminder. I almost blew right past the note that I wrote on the outline <laughs> for that. Uh, I got so- you. Um, I w- I was talking to Gustavo um, about topics that we could talk about for this week's episode, and like he said, Friday is Veterans Day, and as a fairly new American, I am learning the significance of a lot of these holidays, and and it got me th- thinking. Like, I wonder if there's any um figures that are Catholic that have been in the military that we venerate and um, because I'm a robot I was doing a query in my brain of military and Catholicism and the intersection of those two was um, servant of God Father Emil Capen um, which we we got familiar with during Estovir and St. John of Arc, the men's group mm-hmm. that we were part of five, six years ago. Yeah, more or less. So Joseph <laughs> Ferris, I think is the name of the fella that developed this program. It's called Capen's Men. It's a basically a study mm-hmm. that, that you can do for your men's group. Um and it's like seven sessions long. There's like a cool booklet that you can follow through and it goes through the life of Father Kibben. Um, and the testimony of his life, uh, like they interviewed the people that were around him when he was alive and it's just mind-blowing. So I think it's all on YouTube. So just 
do a quick search and you'll probably stumble upon it. However, um, today we want to talk to you about um, Father Emil Capen because um, he was, you know, kind of salt of the earth guy. Um, he he was born in 1916 in Pilsen, Kansas. He was of German Bohemian descent, and um, he lived on a farm. He he worked in the farm with his brother and his parents. And the interesting part, though, is that living in rural Kansas, you have this boy who is like 14 and starts deserting the priesthood. Um, yeah. Which sounds amazing, uh, but I don't, I don't know that maybe because you are like living in the farm, he was like sheltered from the world and probably had a, a better chance of like listening to the, to the voice of God calling him to seminary, but he did, he entered like a high school, uh, um, like a boarding school, um, mm -hmm at Conception Seminary in Missouri, uh, run by the, by the Benedictines. And, um, and he eventually became a priest in 1940 at the age of 24. And, um, he was appointed at St. John's Chapel, um, on the campus of Newman University in Wichita, Kansas, because that's a diocese that, um, that he, um, was ordained in. Um, But like he, like any other priests that are like appointed to um, like a parochial vicar and whatnot, you, you get more jobs added to the description, right? So three years into his priesthood, his bishop asked him to be the auxiliary chaplain at the Army Air Base in Harriton, Kansas. So there it's 1943, it's like, in the middle of the Second World War, and Father Capen was having this first-hand experience of uh, working with servicemen and um, knowing their needs, their spiritual needs, and what what they were going through. So, um, several times he he asked his bishop to be able to enter the U.S. Army Chaplain Corps, and eventually. He convinced his bishop that that is something that God was calling him to do. So he entered um, July 12, 1944. Um, so it's it's all divine providence, right? How you have like this young priest serving um, in in a diocese and then ministering to servicemen, feeling the call. That I don't know. Do you know if like um, clergy would get drafted to I to the don't war think military so. service? I don't think so. But don't quote me on that. I know very little of it. But it makes sense that it, it they wouldn't because they are already serving in other in another capacity, whether that agrees with the government or not. And right. back then, the government was way more open, you know, to. It was it was more simpatico towards yeah. uh, religion, Catholicism, yeah. rather. Um, but regardless of that, he he joined the uh, the U.S. Army Chaplain Corps, and and then um, in July of 1944. But then, um, not a year later, in March of 1945, he was um, sent to Burma in India, and he served the troops at like the tail end of uh, World War II. Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, well, victory over Japan is like September 2nd, 1945, when the Japanese Empire uh, signed uh, the surrender, which is like the actual end of the Second mm -hmm. World War. But the war in Europe had already ended by then. Uh, so it was just the... Uh, the theater in the Pacific that was going on where Father Capen was, was serving. Um, but there are accounts of him, like just driving thousands of miles in his Jeep, visiting the troops. And he would go to like the, the 
the very forward positions, uh, like the front lines, and minister to them and say mass on the hood of his Jeep. That's like a really cool picture of him mm-hmm. saying mass um, in his yeah. vestments and it has like the the hood converted to an as an altar. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's quite quite a spectacle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool to look at. I remember when we were doing the the, the study, mm-hmm. the the men's group. That was one of the things that really captivated me. Not only his willingness to be, so you you put yourself in the service of God first, but then you're like, uh, I think I'm I I'm called even further. You know, to a be call within a call, like a call Saint within Teresa. a call. Yeah, which is which is pretty amazing to me to just have that disposition. And I and I think it has a lot to do with what you started with. You know, he's from a he was from a small town in Kansas and very very tight knit community. And and patriotism was definitely something else back then. Um, everybody, everybody who was willing and able, you know, they didn't think twice about enlisting to yeah. serve their country. And and Father Capen, I think it was, like you said, a call within a call that he felt the calling to the priesthood, but he still felt, still felt compelled to serve his country and his countrymen um, to, to minister where they were most needed, you yeah. know, because they were in the front lines. They were, they were in places that were, exposed to the most horrible essence of humans, you know, yeah. that evil that got exposed with, that gets exposed with war. Yeah. And if you've ever watched any type of movie, you know, whether it's saving private Ryan or Hacksaw Ridge, which Hacksaw Ridge is a, he, it, it kind of like parallels a little bit to, to this story, you know, if you haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge, but um, he was a Christian, not a, not a Catholic, but but to be able to serve those that are needing it the most in, in some of the most inhumane circumstances is pretty astonishing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And he was so good at being a chaplain that he was promoted to captain. Um in, in January 3rd, 1946. So not even a year after he was in the service, um, he got a promotion. And from there, um, I mean, after the, the war ended, he came back home and he took advantage of the GI Bill mm-hmm. to get a master's degree in education from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. And, um, and even though he was like, enjoying being back at school he still wanted to join the armed forces again um at this point in time the bishop that had agreed for him to to join the u.s army chaplain corps had died so he had a new bishop um and this bishop granted father caben's request to join the forces again so he reported to the anti-aircraft artillery corps at Fort Bliss, Texas in late 1948. So he was back home two years and then back at it. Um, So in January of 1950, um, he got shipped to Yokohama, Japan to join the post-World War II uh, peacekeeping forces of the 1st Cavalry Division that was stationed there. and everybody was like, well, it's just, you know, just going to help stabilize things. But little that anybody knew, um, or no, rather, in June 25th of 1950, communist North Korea invaded democratic South Korea. And two weeks later, uh, July 20, uh, July 25th, 1970, um, not necessarily two weeks later, but a month later, um, Father Capen, right? 1950, yeah. Father Capen's unit, uh, which was the Eighth Cavalry Regiment of the First Cavalry Division, um, was part of like the first American troops sent to assist South Korea. Um, so the 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 Korean War 
I'm not a, like a super expert on it, but I think it has been one of the most gruesome ones. It lasted three years. Um, and uh, I think there were a bunch of casualties and um, mm -hmm. like he had to, <clears throat> Father Cape and, and everybody else that was involved in the war, they had to deal with a, a Lots of things. There were there were hundreds of dead and wounded soldiers, um, men utterly exhausted and like shell shocked. What at that point was like the precursor to what we know now as PTSD. Um, the refugees fleeing their homes, extreme heat and mosquitoes in the summer, wet rainy days during the fall, and frequent lack of sleep and food, constant nerve wracking noise and confusion of battle. Um, all of these things can like break uh, a human person. Um, so what even... happened is that, uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The, the context to what happened because they were the first troop, you know, the first platoon that got sent out of, uh, uh, out there. It was that they were greatly outnumbered. I heard something like they were 5,000 U.S. troops versus almost 20,000 opposing troops between uh, North Koreans and Chinese. Uh, but the Chinese allies. entered later into the war. Correct. But, but yeah, I mean, if, if they were like sent to have some reprieve, uh, help the South Koreans have some reprieve in these. Um, and um, I think that those kinds of situations that are so extreme and so demanding test the character of men. You know how we say in Spanish, like, uh, para ver de que están hechos, mm -hmm. to see what they're made out of. Um, I think it has yeah. the same sense in, in English. Yeah. Um, so Father Capen earned a reputation of being fearless. He would risk his life to, to minister to men in the front lines. Uh, he would pray with them in their foxholes. He would say mass on the battlefield, on his jeep. Um, he would uh, administer the sacraments to the dying. He would take the wounded out of the battlefield. He would bury the dead, ally or enemy alike. Mm -hmm. He he just did. He didn't care if it was like from the enemy or or, or their own. Um, he escaped. Uh, he barely escaped numerous times. Um, one okay. <laughs> There's a picture of Father Capen holding a half of a pipe, mm -hmm. and I didn't know what it was about. Now I know the story behind it. It uh, it seems like he was smoking his pipe, and the mouthpiece was uh, shot out of his mouth by a sniper. Oh, no kidding. That, that crazy, crazy. The, the sniper was probably messing with him, um, but or, or really pissed that he missed like so close. <laughs> I, I mean, there's that too. Um, there was another occasion that he lost all of his possessions, um, his masket, the jeep. So after that, he would he would carry the blessed sacrament, the vessels for mass, everything he would carry on his body along with his confession stole in holy oils in case he needed to administer uh, last rice to anybody. Um, and eventually in uh, August 2nd of 1950, he received a bronze star medal for bravery in action. And um, it was because he rescued a wounded soldier uh, despite heavy machine gun fire. Um, so this would help like the morale of his company. He mm -hmm. he was um, he was dedicated. He was an example to all of men, and and he was very calm. He had a very calm demeanor. So no matter how intense the fighting was, um, he he was like giving a sense of peace uh, to to the troops in the middle of the war. Um, one thing that I thought. That was like extremely wonderful of him is that he would take the time to write letters uh, 
to the next of kin uh, of the servicemen who had died mm -hmm. in battle. And he would reassure them that they had died in the presence of a priest with consolation of last rites. Wow. Imagine getting that letter. It's like, okay, so-and-so died, but he died in front of me. I'm a priest. I give him last right. I give him his viaticum. Yeah. He's probably with God. Yeah. You know, most likely. What a gift. What yeah. a gift. Yeah. I'm like, that's the way to go. If you're going to go, that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, It's sadly a lot. Most uh, soldiers didn't have that that true. blessing. You that know? is true. And so, so I'm... I'm assuming that Father Capen felt that he didn't do enough. I'm just assuming. Because, you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the way he was seeing just destruction and death all around him, he the, and the way they tell stories about him, the fact that he was always the first. He was always the one helping. He was always the one ministering. He was always the one carrying somebody. He was always the one encouraging others to help, encouraging others to carry others. Hmm. Um, so I think, you know, he, he, he would have loved to been able to, to administer last rites to everybody, you know, or, or more people, more soldiers. Yeah. That, that one more soul, them. you know, one more. That's how, what the, uh, Hacksaw Ridge guy said, you know, Desmond Dawes. He's mm. like, let me get one more. Let me get one more. Is that the guy that didn't want to carry a gun? Yeah, dude. I That's another. That one. That's another great story. It's a Mel Gibson movie, so Okay. So kudos to him. You know, it's it's pretty Mel Gibson-y when it comes to the goriness of it. <laughs> there is uh there's there's scenes that are pretty intense. Uh I mean, it's a, it's a war movie. It's a war movie, and he doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. Um, and he's so good at just creating those moments of tension. Uh, so it's not gory for gory's sake like other movies, but it's, he just really puts you in the moment. Similar to, again, Saving Private Ryan for me is on the top five of war movies. Yeah. Um, That's a because whole it's just podcast. so authentic. It's just so authentic. But but yeah, I do think that Father Capon would have been like, I, I hope I would have done more, you know. So um, then, what ends up happening is that so the North Korean army was almost done; they were almost defeated. the The U.S. army were like running them ragged, but then the Chinese decided to enter the war, and. Um, Father Capen and, and the men of the regiment he was in um, were the first to encounter the Chinese. On the night of November 1st, 1950, they were at Unsan, the city of a town of Unsan, and their outfit was attacked from all sides by the combined communist forces. Um, yep. So they start uh, a battle, and he starts... Father Kevin starts anointing the dying, dragging the wounded to safety. And he was captured that night, but then he managed to escape when um, U.S. soldiers shot his captors. So he goes back again and he has a chance to retreat to safety. And together with the army medic um, that was there, Both of them decide to stay and look after the wounded. Um, so they stay. And deep into November 2nd, they were captured by the communists. Um, so they, they see a, a, a wounded soldier. Uh, Father Capen sees a soldier that is wounded and is about to be shot by a North Korean soldier. So he rushes over, he pushed the gun, pushed the gun aside and picks up Surgeon Herbert Miller. And the North Korean soldier is like completely like astonished at what just happened. He could have shot both of them right then and there, but he lets him live. 
Yeah. So, um, so what was amazing is that Father Capen was, as the story goes, he was farther back in that line of prisoner, prisoners that they were uh, walking. You know, they, they made him walk. Right. So this soldier who was wounded had had gotten shrapnel from a from a grenade or something, and and it just shattered and broke the lower part of his left leg, I think. So he couldn't walk. And um, before they came through there, the that soldier tells a story that he actually pulled a a a body, a dead body on top of him to be able to just go undetected. And it that helped. He laid there for about two hours. Damn. So and then the the this company that was walking this these prisoners, which Father Capen was one of them, um one of the enemy soldiers saw that he was still alive, the guy on the ground. So he points his rifle right at his head. So Father Capen was like in the back, he had his own captors, right? Yeah. And he walked away from the captors, just like, I'm just going to start walking towards this man. So he could have gotten shot right there and then, just by walking away from, from, from the people group. that had him detained. Yeah. And then he walked and he, he, he moved the, the gun away from the guy's forehead. And he didn't even look at that soldier. He just like moved the gun away and and knelt down and started helping this guy up and and the soldier herbert miller is it yeah sergeant herbert miller he tells a story and it's gut-wrenching and 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 when you hear it tell him to tell the story you know his eyes are getting teary and so are yours (laughs) as you're hearing that story if you have a heart because he says i for the life of me i do not know why he didn't get shot right there and then it, the only thing that comes to my mind, he says, is is God. God intervened, and 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 God in the heart of that person in that moment, and that stayed his hand, because there was no reason he wouldn't have shot both of us. Right. So he carried this guy all the rest of the way because he couldn't walk. Yeah, he, and he knelt down and carried him. You know. Yeah, they were like either shotting people that couldn't walk or leaving them. To die in they yeah. were getting frostbite. It was yeah. like it was the coldest one of the coldest winters recorded to date in that region. Damn. Um so they eventually make it to Pyoktong. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but let's just go with Pyoktong. Um and it was prison camp number five where they were kept as prisoners of war. And um Father Capen's schedule there was like remarkable. He would wake up at 5.30 a.m. Sometimes temperatures were like minus 20 uh, Fahrenheit and he would get sticks for fire. Then he would um, use those sticks to make a fire to melt snow to make clean water for the men to drink. And when he was in the farm, he would use like um, sheets of uh, iron and make it into vessels. So he did the same thing in the prisoners' camp, so he could launder the clothes of of the sick in the camp, and also to have like a place to store purified water. Um, he would slip out of the camp to to forage for corn, salt, millet soybeans yeah so so they could eat because they were being starved to death basically yeah and i thought that it was feeding them Mm -hmm. i thought that it was hilarious that he was praying to saint dismas the good thief (laughs) before every time for one of these times that this missions i i guess um so he would go from like hut to hut uh to talk to prisoners to give them aid um, to pick the lice of the man, to wash the clothes of the weak, the incontinent, and um, and even bathe those who were very weak to do so themselves. 
Yeah, so and, so those two things are are really important, you know, because in in the conditions that they had them, like you mentioned, that there was no food being given at that time. They were being starved to death. There was obviously no housekeeping, you know. It was cold. It was really bitterly cold. So those who survived the the cold um, and they didn't get frostbite, they would get dysentery. So that's why he had to wash their clothes and boil so much water uh, to, to be able to 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 try and keep these men from from dying from dehydration from literally just diarrhea and dysentery. Yeah, and then he would pick the the lice off of because there was so many of them, so many of them that he, they they say that it was uh, it was really easy to see who was going to die next because they would, they would stop, stop picking lice. They would just let the lice suck the life them. out of them. Suck suck the life out of them. So he would he would do that for them endlessly. That's insane. And can't when, wait for the movie. I know. Mel Gibson. Um <laughs> so when when men would die, he would volunteer for burial duty so he could say prayers over their graves. Um, they had mandated indoctrination sessions twice a day by the communist uh, captors. And um, I thought it was funny that they was like about the evils of cap capitalism and religion. Um, <laughs> but he was always calm and, and, and refuted their claims. Um, And you know he he was also making jokes to light jokes to lighten the mood. He was determined uh, to keep the men hoping, trusting that they would make it out alive. Um, and obviously, tending to the spiritual needs of his boys, as he would call them, um, even though he public uh, prayers were strictly forbidding. After dark, he would sneak around the different huts and say prayers with them. Um, not only with a Catholic, but with everybody. He would like cater to the spiritual needs of um, everyone in the POW camp. Um, he would say prayers of deliverance and liberation. Um, he would; they would even pray for their captors. So that was insane to me to think that they. They were like, okay, let's pray for this man to be delivered from the evils of communism. That is yeah, kind of insane to think. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the Lord's Prayer, the Mass, Stations of the Cross, the Rosary, all of those were part of it, giving them their priestly blessing, counseling men um, that were struggling. And everybody would like walk away feeling lightened um, or part of their burden. Uh, was taken off and they could fight another day. Um, so he was a shining light in the darkness of that camp. He was selfless. Um, he has an, an indomitable spirit, um, giving hope even in those like extreme horrific, horrific situation, I guess. Um, And he was considered an agitator, a, a, a propagandist, um, <laughs> because, you know, they they couldn't scare him. They couldn't threaten him. Uh, they failed when they were trying to humiliate him. Um, they, were, they were afraid to kill him, uh, thinking that, like, the, the POWs would, like, revolt, revolt. and take over. Um And I think that one of the most badass things that I think that he did is uh, leading an Easter service in 1951. Um, and he inspired them so much that everybody broke out singing uh, songs of praise to God. Um, so that's amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Think that you're like a communist soldier and all of a sudden you uh, start hearing like hymns a praise uh, to God. Yeah, from these people that you've been breaking for the past, I don't know how many weeks. Yeah, at that point, <clears throat> they've been there for like almost a year. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
So, um, and um, towards the end of his life, um, so I guess after Easter of 1951, he eventually um, fell ill. He got pneumonia. And um, this was like that the chance that the Chinese had been waiting to get rid of this priest. And, and he had a blood clot in his leg. So they, the doctors that, that were in the camp had him immobilized in his hut um, so he could heal. But um, the Chinese caught wind of what was happening. And um, even though he was in like great pain, he would never show any signs of pain. Side note. Um, and also he was like in and out of consciousness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you would like pass out from the pain and then come back and like, what's going on? Oh yeah. I still have a blood clot, blood clot in my leg. Um, but eventually the soldiers found out and around mid May of 1951, um, he was starting to recover, but then the soldiers go into his hut and they try to take him to the hospital, which is, in air quotes, you know, it's just like the death house because it's, it was like the building that the prisoners knew that it, the, their hospital was like the building where they would let people die mm -hmm. on their own. And, um, father Caven just like told his boys, don't worry about me. I'm going where I always wanted to go. And when I get there, I'll say a prayer for all of you. Like, all right. Um, so he knew his death was was coming. Um, everybody obviously was in tears. They demanded to carry him to mm -hmm. the death house themselves. And um, on the way there, like he asked the boys to stop so he could ask his prisoners for forgiveness if he had wronged them. In any shape or form, his captors, right? Not yeah, prisoner. No, no, no. Like Father Capen asked his captors for forgiveness. Yeah, you said his prisoners. His oh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. Um, he had prisoners. How how powerful did he get? <laughs> <laughs> he had his own prisoners inside a prisoner camp. No, 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 no. that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's a plot twist um <laughs> so eventually in may uh 23rd of 1951 my birthday well yeah <laughs> um he died by himself in the death house 35 years old um and um even after his death it's kind of insane that the the memory of this man and his words were like what kept men going uh, because you know it's 1951 they got liberated in 1953 so they still had like two more years mm -hmm. of living in this um camp or you know not knowing if they're going to make it out of it um one story goes that uh, Major Jerry Fink, um, he was transferred to that camp where Father Capen was, and he noticed immediately that there was a big difference in the atmosphere of the camp, uh, where people were trying to like help each other out instead of like fighting in order to look out for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so he was told about Father Capen and what was he doing. And how he was determined to look after one another. Uh, and uh, this this man, Major Fink, he was so struck uh, by these stories that um, he offered his services in creating a tribute uh, to Father Capen. And even though he was Jewish, um, he was a gifted artist. He was carving a four foot tall crucifix out of cherry wood and scrub oak that he found in the camp. And, um, and that crucifix was paraded outside of the, 
uh, prison camp, prison camp number five when they were freed in 1953, um, lifting up, like, you know, like lift high the cross. That's what I imagined them singing when they were going out. But now that crucifix, you can see it on display uh, at, uh, at Mount Carmel High School in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and uh, for them, it became a da daily reminder um, that uh, of Father Cabin's sacrifice. Um, so if we leave it at that, that's a great story. However, it doesn't stop there. And, and this is something that Gustavo and I, and I found out like from, that has developed in the last year that we hadn't known about what had happened to Father Capon. So he was declared a servant of God in 1993, which is uh, someone that has an exemplary life of faith. They, they gather all of this information about their biography and whatnot. Um, so he's on the road to sainthood. But... 70 years after his death, U.S. government forensics team in Hawaii announced on March 4, 2021, that they had identified the remains of Father Emil Kapan. Um, because for whatever reason, there were like a hundred soldiers from Kansas that were brought to Pearl Harbor in Hawaii that were buried in unmarked tombs. It was like unknown Korean War soldier. But this team was like, these are the remains of Father Capon. So what ended up happening is that he made it home. Father Capon is now resting at home, his his funeral took place on September 29, twenty twenty one, and he got full military honors, twenty gun gun salute, tabs, and his remains were carried into the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Wichita, Kansas, by the U.S. Army's U.S. Army's First Cavalry Division from Fort Hood, Texas, which was the the division that. Father Capon served in Korea, um, and if you if you watch that funeral mass in YouTube, um, it's kind of insane uh, how how much uh, honor and respect is given to uh, Father Capon and bringing back, um, basically bringing him back as a hero. Um, I think I forgot to to put in the show notes, but in 2013, his um, his bronze medal was uh, upgraded to I forgot what the honor is, but uh, President Barack Obama posthumously gave him mm -hmm. like the the most like the highest condecoration that um, a U.S. chaplain, a Catholic U.S. chaplain, has ever received in the history of the U.S. military. Just not not nothing, you know. Um, yeah. so pilgrimage, uh, destination, oh, which is sure. Kansas. For sure. Yeah. They also paraded him, uh, into his hometown. In which, Pilsen, Kansas. Yes. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really touching. And, um, we'll share that video with you guys, um, of, they did like a mini documentary. I didn't know that. I actually saw that video right before we started recording this episode and i was like oh my gosh he was cleaning that his is tears amazing that we was started amazing. recording i almost teared up yeah it's it's pretty it first of all the the little mini documentary is really well done so it does strike the right notes um yeah. and and just to have that conclusion to his story not conclusion you know because we're Hopefully, we're going to see him as a saint one day here. But the fact that he was, he, he just has this amazing story. He's a servant of God. He served his troops. 
under the most horrific conditions. A lot of them made it home. You know, a lot of those men that he helped through those uh, uh, times made it home. Um, I think there's where there were a couple of them that were still alive in 2021. Yeah, yeah the they funeral. were there at the at the mass too, and and now to know that that his body, his remains, are are home. Oh man, to see all those flags, to see all those honors, it's incredible. It's just incredible. It 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 it, it gave me chills, honestly. You know. Yeah, and also like just his example, like his heroic faith. You know, um, mm -hmm. just it made me feel like I could do more in terms of like spending myself in service of others, which I needed that kick in the butt. You know, to yeah, to be like, hey. He died helping people in a prisoner camp. I think you can, you know, do more around the house. Yeah, step up. <laughs> step step up. up a little bit. So it's not just for the men, it's for everybody. But, you know, there's there's something about stories about the military that get the brains of men going a little bit more, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. No, no, you're right because it, it it really it really helps to 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 measure yourself uh, up to these men, yeah, and women too. I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking about these exemplary uh, um, children of God that that have so many leadership qualities that that one can emulate, mm -hmm. and especially. In, in a situation of, I'll just come out and say it, of comfort that we get to live in our daily lives. Yeah. You know, in, in, in terms of how they became heroic, uh, not for heroism's sake, but... Not for but, vainglory. Yeah, not for vainglory. It was to help their fellow man, you know, to alleviate a, a suffering for them, you know, to to wield the good of another, as Thomas Aquinas tells us, he loved them. Yeah. He he loved every single person that he came in contact with, uh, uh, friend friend or foe, you know, because he did he did that to to his enemies as well, and that is bonkers to me. You know, sometimes I get mad because the garbage guy like knocks the garbage can down when he puts it down. I'm like. I get annoyed, you know. Do your job, man. Yeah, you had you had like, come on, help One me out. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bend down that early in the morning, especially now that it's a little chilly. But you know what I mean. So yeah. there's there's these instances of what can our heroic moments be? Mm -hmm. You know, is it being joyful? Is it being more helpful around the house with the kids? Is it is it is it being more helping present in the parish. Yeah. Helping in the parish or being more present at our house with our spouse, with our kids, yeah. uh, uh, reaching out to your, to your local, um, pregnancy center, you know, what, what are your talents? How can we put those in service of other people, um, that, that can, that can alleviate that, that suffering for somebody else. And you know and what I also thought? Yeah. Sorry. No, you go not, ahead. Not to interrupt your mid-thought. Um, I think that the sense of camaraderie that is lived um, in the in the forces was one of the things that I'm like, and I told you this off the air, that we probably need to, like a man bond trying to do hard things together, mm -hmm. you know? Um Men and women are different. It's just the nature of how God made us. Um, and uh, as much as I enjoy getting together to have a drink or smoke a cigar, like, there's got to be, like, 
maybe once a year we do like let's go hike camelback you know do hard things together um it's just a thought yeah maybe we'll start doing that like barbato's annual hike to um camelback if you're down to go hike camelback you're in the zone send us a note we can make it happen especially now that it's not hot yeah um Anyways. But but Walter and I did hike it in mid in mid July. Oh, mistake! <laughs> Couldn't move the next day. We did it though. We Not did impossible. it. Impossible. Yeah. We started at around four o'clock in the morning. That's true. Four or five yeah, o'clock. Christopher so Pereira was, was there. So yeah, he's the. So sure there's he's probably the a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there is. Oh, Me panting all the way over there. Yeah. Um. But anyways, regardless of that, I think that um, we are right on time. And what do you think about um, finishing the episode with the prayer for the beatification and canonization, Father Capen? For sure. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, in the midst of the folly of war, your servant, Chaplain Emil Capon, spend himself in total service to you on the battlefields and in the prison camps of Korea until his death at the hands of his captors. We now ask you, Lord Jesus, if it be your will to make known to all the world the holiness of Chaplain Capon and the glory of his complete sacrifice for you by signs of miracles and peace. In your name, Lord, we ask, for you are the source of peace the strength of our service to others, and our final hope. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father Capen, pray for pray us. Pray for us. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you found this episode helpful, share it with your friends, like, subscribe, rate, and review, all that good stuff. Go to Barbatos. No, that website is still down. We're still working on it. Go to direct at me forward slash barbatus for more information on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. Until the next time. Later. Later.